Cranked up right now, and here I am <clears throat> on Anchor FM as well. If you're wondering where the show takes place, it takes place <clears throat> as a podcast, meaning recorded on Anchor.fm, and you can go to Anchor FM and check those services out for yourself if you're interested in doing something like this. Uh, also, there are several platforms now that Forbidden America. Um, broadcasts on. Well, we are on Google Podcasts. Just go to Google Podcasts, get the app, and type in Forbidden America, and there we are. You can go to anchor.fm, type in Forbidden America, there we are. You can go to Spotify, type in Forbidden America, there we are. Um, and a few other platforms as well. We're on Breaker. Um, we're on a few, we're, we're all over the place and it's now a half hour format because it's easier for people to listen to. I used to do a two hour format when I had a guest every time and the guests were really great, top notch guests. Um, but it was a lot of work. I didn't mind doing it, but I just, you know, I don't want to put that kind of that type of energy into it anymore. Although I still think considering the times that we're in, we still do need, um, we still do need food in America on the air because of what we're all putting up with. One guest that I may have soon is somebody that used to be on the show as a co-host, um, the founder, producer, an on-air talent, uh, for, uh, truthiscary.com. Check that site out, truthiscary.com. Um, and that's Joe Peterson. He's still around. Um, and he's still very much got his eye on things. And, um, I don't know that he's doing a lot of broadcasting about it right now, but he has some things to say. And if he decides he'd like to come on, he's certainly welcome. And I think you'd find that of great interest. Um, I've noticed some issues with the system, the broadcast of the system. Um, and I think that's because of the immense amount of traffic that we now have because everybody's, you know, quarantined. <clears throat> so anyway, tonight's show is about a hypothesis, okay? And the hypothesis is this. Um and again, this is only a hypothesis, all right? So this is what my speculation is. But you should know something about me. I'm an analyst, okay? I study things. I assess them. And I can tell you where things are going to go. I can tell you how these things are going to turn out. Those things are going to turn out. I can tell you what the next steps will be. That's what I do. That's what I do. I'm very good at it. And my ability to objectively look at something and to be an, ob uh, an objective observer and um, basically only take the evidence that's at hand and 
have enough of research knowledge about the evidence already that I can say, okay, based on what we see, I know how this and this and this are going to play out. <clears throat> so it's deductive reasoning, deductive observation. So you observe, you deduce, and then you project toward a conclusion. You don't necessarily come to that conclusion. You project toward it, and that's what I'm doing, okay? And that's the name of this show is going to be Hypothesis. Here's my hypothesis, and I think you'll find this of great interest, and it's a little bit disconcerting. If you know me at all, you know that's not a stretch. That's what I do. Disconcerting is what I do. So we're in self-quarantine. We're in voluntary, essentially, lockdown. I just spoke today with Western Australia. I just spoke today with Southern Australia. I spoke today with New Zealand. <clears throat> All of the people there have reported to me today that they have gone into hard lockdown. Okay. They're not messing around. They're in hard lockdown. And um, let me check my settings here real quick. Yeah. Um, and in hard lockdown, that means nothing's moving. You know, if you don't need to go to the store, don't go to the store. If you have no reason to go outside, don't go outside. Um, they were allowed to go home. They were allowed to go to where they wanted to be when they went into lockdown. Okay. Versus shelter in place, which is shelter in place means you're from New York, but currently you're in Iowa and you're traveling and you don't know anybody in Iowa. And they say shelter in place. That doesn't mean drive home to New York. It means get off the road, find out where you can shelter, and stay there until further notice. Shelter in place where you are right now. So some areas, like in the state of Maine in, um, uh, in the United States, there are people doing that. They're sheltering in place. There are larger towns in that state that are in lockdown. Um, and other states, and this is what I'm hearing from somebody that just traveled internationally, uh, across the United States, North America, um, Europe, um, and so forth. They observed three different continents, several different states in the United States, a bunch of different countries. And what this individual learned was, and this is a conversation that I had today, <clears throat> All the countries are doing it differently. Well, that's really no surprise. The United States, at the federal level, this is from this individual's direct observation. This is somebody of um, consequence. This is somebody who works with government on a daily basis. This is somebody who rubs elbows with people that are involved in decision-making. Okay, This isn't somebody that's on you know vacation trying to get pictures of Las Vegas. This is somebody that's a serious individual who's moving around because of the need to be in these places in order to conduct the affairs of government. <clears throat> Those are the kinds of people I'm talking to. And this individual said that at the federal level here, you'll get six different versions of what we're supposed to be doing. And depending on where you are, is one of those versions will be in play, but the others won't. And each of the people that's responsible for pushing a certain 
version of how things should be going are saying this is the way, and none of them agree. And then when it comes down to states, different states are doing it differently from one another. So if you have a state that's next to another state, and these people are in shelter in place or in lockdown, and their measures are very stringent, and then right down the road, like you can see their house, they're in another state, they're outside, barbecuing, you know, running around. This is a problem, not because it, it's not about like, why do they get to go outside and we don't? It isn't like that at all. It's how is what we're doing going to be effective if not if everyone's not going to do it? It has to be everybody. So epidemiological information that I received from New Zealand today and policies that come out of New Zealand today that were given to me showed that the intel that they have is that after watching it go through various countries, the two-week mark of lockdown has become a benchmark. If you go into total lockdown, nothing's moving, and you make sure nothing's moving for two solid weeks, no exceptions, and you enforce it, you enforce it, you have a very good chance of stopping it in its tracks, slowing it down to almost nothing. China finally adopted that when it was playing catch-up from day one. It didn't know what it was dealing with. It had never seen this thing before. And they finally figured out how to deal with it. And they did it really well. Hats off to China. The medical people in China are heroes. And they did what they did, not just for the Chinese people, but they did it for everybody. Okay, and that's important to remember. Some of them died trying to wrestle with this thing and figure out what the hell to do with it and how to stop it. They knew that had to be done. They did it. And a lot of the intelligence that we've gained on how to deal with this virus came from them. There's information that reached me that it isn't from China. Not originally. We'll get into that in another show. It's worth a whole different show. Um, Various countries have dealt with this differently. Italy found out after a while that Total lockdown was what became necessary. First it was a small area, then it was the north half of the country, and then it was the whole shebang. Spain started to get hammered because, you know, they share borders, these countries. Europe is, you don't have to go far, and you're in a whole different country. And they found out they had to shut everything down because if, if there's movement, then the virus is moving too. We are the host, and we are the food source. So if you shut down human movement, you shut down the virus. And that's what everybody's finding out. So the intelligence that I got out of New Zealand today is that hard lockdown, two-week moratorium on anything moving, because you have to do it. You have to stop this thing. This isn't negotiable, okay? Which leads us to, um, you know, the next point in the conversation, which is, here we have fearless leader in America. Oh, and by the way, we're the laughing stock of the world in, in the gallows humor sort of way. Um, I was looking at a lot of the crosstalk internationally today, and they were all basically saying, at least we're not the United States. In other words, they've just thrown up their hands and given up on us because our leadership doesn't exist. And they're so... Uh, it's such a keystone cops 
situation that it's ridiculous. So today, fearless leader says, um, okay, so we need to turn the country back on. We need to open things back up. We need to go back to work, go back into business. We can't afford to just stay low and quiet and do nothing. He's speaking from a personal standpoint. He's speaking from the standpoint of somebody who's losing money. He's hemorrhaging money on a personal level because nothing is open. And the things that usually give him an income stream aren't open. So now he's panicking. Here's my hypothesis. He's panicking because the economy will tank, of course. And it, at this point, you know, sounds weird to say it, but it should. Because nothing should move. Because this takes precedent, okay? We have to kill the virus and stop it in its tracks. Otherwise, nothing else matters. It doesn't matter that you're going to try to earn money. You're never going to spend it. You're going to die. So we have to shut everything down. We have to kill the virus. It's just what needs to happen. Public health. It is an emergency situation. But his emergency appears to be the money. Why does it scare him so much, the money part? It scares him because he's terrified of becoming broke. And the reason he's terrified of becoming broke is because it isn't his money. He has entered into deals over the years with everybody from the mob, in terms of here, to the Russian mob, to Saudis, to you name it. And he gets influxes of cash, but they expect stuff in return. And so he was leaning, there was a time here when he was leaning toward a shutdown. And he was leaning toward, there was rumblings from Washington that what was going to happen was something on the order of martial law and that he was going to shut everything down um, draconian style, okay? And that he would suspend the election in an effort to not have people mingle together in public and in a further effort to kill the virus spread. And by doing so, he stays in office. By invoking certain um, executive orders, he can put FEMA in charge of the United States, suspend the Constitution, suspend due process, suspend the elections, suspend everything, become the leader, and this is the way it's written. This is the way it actually the order is actually written. If he activates the order, he becomes the head of the country alone with one deputy person, which is the deputy director of the Department of Homeland Security. And then FEMA becomes the government and takes command of the military and so forth. And it's complete martial law on the basis of something so um, scary or apocalyptic or uh, over the top that these are the measures that need to be taken. Um, that's why he signed the Defense, Defense Production Act and activated it um, the other day. There's a step toward that. He could still do that in order to stay in office. Again, part of the hypothesis. If he stays in office, he's not prosecuted for anything. 
there are indictments waiting for him in the Southern District of New York. There are indictments having to do with finances. There are indictments waiting for him having to do with other crimes. There are civil cases waiting for him that have to do with rape and have to do with sexual impropriety and have to do with uh, criminal enterprises and so forth. Um, There are violations of um, international law and so forth and so on. There's a lot waiting. But as long as he stays in office, it doesn't touch him. So there's that. But also, as long as he stays in office, he he can continue to wheel and deal and hold his creditors, his own personal creditors, which are the people that I mentioned earlier, the mob, the Russian mob, the Saudis, and so on and so forth, uh, from collecting on the money that he's borrowed and the assistance that he's been given for the last 35, almost 40 years. He doesn't have to pay that back as long as he's still in office and can continue to give them consolation prizes and not have to pay the, the full amount that he owes. If he suddenly is not in office and he's out there like he was before he went in, he now has to deal with all those people, scary people, who want their money. He now has to deal with the authorities who will prosecute him. He may go be detained, which means go to jail. He may lose, because of those types of legal actions, he would lose all of his assets, okay? And that's another, that's another way to go broke, because if they freeze his assets, he's broke, and that terrifies him more than anything. So this is why he wants to stay in office, but he doesn't want to shut down business. He wants business to open back up. That's why he's bitching about it. That's why he's saying we need to open up within two weeks because it's the end of the fiscal quarter. And he wants the money to start flowing again because it puts him in a bad position and he doesn't want to lose his money. But at the same time, he doesn't want to... He's trying to have it both ways. And it isn't how it works, as you know. So... It's going to be interesting how this plays out because he's going to make decisions based on um, how much totalitarian style muscle he wants to put on this problem versus whether or not he maintains lockdown. Um, It's going to be, it's going to be really something to see, to watch him. um, Let me see where I am with the time. Yeah. So, Almost there. We've got like 10 minutes left. Um, how this plays out now, it's only going to go one way or the other. What I'm interested in also seeing is that what do other people know? Joe Biden is now off the grid. Nobody's seen him. It might have something to do with what appeared to be an aphasic moment where it looked like he went into sundowner syndrome. I just forgot who he was. Uh, the timing was very conspicuous. And then also there's Bernie, who's still active and still doing things, but the press has completely changed the way that they deal with Bernie and mention him as if he's a done deal, like he's he's all done. The numbers don't say that. He's anything but done. He's in a much better position to win than Obama was when he got elected the first time. Bernie's not out by any means which is another reason why I think, because if Bernie gets in, 
it's another version of drastically changing the economy in a way that doesn't benefit Donald Trump. And Trump doesn't want to see that, and neither do his cronies, people that put him in there. So Bernie's still right there waiting to see what happens as well. And this is why he may suspend the election. If he invokes FEMA government because of the emergency, it can't be unrevoked for six months. There's no meeting that can be convened by Congress that says, all right, never mind, we're going to go back to the way we were doing it. they got to wait six months. Well, where are we at now? We're in the middle of March, right? So here's March. And in six months, right, it's September. So if he he won't invoke FEMA law for another three months if he does it, because he wants to make sure that it can't be revoked when the election is supposed to happen in November. So keep your heads up on this. Keep your eyeballs on this, because he could very well do this. Um, things that you didn't think you'd ever see in your in your lifetime, in anybody's lifetime, are unfolding. You know, like the very real possibility that a president of the United States, um, you know, may invoke what amounts to martial law and um, suspend the elections, suspend due process, which means he can jail anybody anytime he wants to. And that reminds me of one point, however, that jailing anybody anytime he wants to, if he gives an order that everybody needs to go inside, what happens to the homeless people? They don't have anywhere to go inside. So in a place like California, where the streets in some areas are lined for miles with tents, okay, from people that have been pushed out of gentrified uh, you know, neighborhoods can't afford the rent anymore and they live on the sidewalk or they live near the road in these tents because they have nowhere else to go. Well, they'll just round them up to get, to get them not near anyone else. They'll round them up in trucks. They'll take them out of town to the desert or something and they'll put them in a camp. They'll just put up, you know, they'll put up fencing They'll put up some guards, and they'll put them in this camp, and that'll be that. Maybe, in a worse scenario, they'll even go further than that, but that remains to be seen. So what happens to the homeless? The stimulus package they just put up tells you everything you need to know about their attitude toward people in this country and their intent. The stimulus package was basically more free money for their fat, fat cat rich crony friends and corporations, some money for the people in what's left of the middle class, no money for the poor. That's what they think. And they're probably thinking, why would we spend money on the poor when we just plan on disposing of them? That's the only thing that makes logical sense with that type of, when they do what they did, that's the only thing that makes sense. Look at what's going on. Follow it where it goes. Set yourself up toward a conclusion. That's what I do. 
And that's what I'm looking at right now. I don't know. We're probably going to be on for another two, three minutes, four minutes or something like that. Um, so I want you to think about what I've said. Will he shut down the country anyway? Will he call martial law to stop the virus? Will there be international pressure upon him to get his act together with regard to how to deal with this crisis? And will they threaten him by way of threatening this country to do it? And will they take military action if we're acting in such a way that we're not going to do help kill the virus and stop it in its tracks? Then they'll stop it. They'll stop us. The stakes are very, very, very high for all these countries, and they're not willing to put up with any more tomfoolery. England is doing the same thing. The UK, under Johnson, playing games, not being serious about how they're dealing with the problem. They need to listen to the experts, and they're not. They think they can do this with stuff they make up off the top of their head and with, you know, strength of personality, and that's not how this works. It's time to get serious and, and start talking to the adults in the room. And so far, we don't have that luxury, I guess. So this has been yet another episode of Forbidden America. And I want you to um, think about the things I've said. And I should be on the air again soon. If you have anything you would like for me to address, let me know. And I'll think about talking about it on the air. And in the meantime... Uh, I look forward to doing this again, and for Forbidden America, I'm Steve McManus. See you next time.